Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. You may be seated. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bares his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. Happy New Year. (laughs) Considering that last week we celebrated Christ the King, Christ being the Lion of Judah, I thought that this passage from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe offered a fitting transition to celebrating our first Sunday in Advent. You may recall Wesley's story of how a certain friend of his, desiring to hear a special word from the Lord, opened his Bible at random, put his finger on the page, and read, Then he, Judas, went away and hanged himself. (laughs) As I was reading commentaries on today's lessons earlier in the week, I found a similar story of how St. Augustine, despairing over his wretchedness, tried the same tactic. He landed on the passage from Romans we read today, and it became for him a transformative event, moving him to take the last step toward casting off his attachments to the flesh. Last night at 8 p.m., I had no sermon to speak of. I had been trying for days to think of something to say, to listen for what God wanted me to say. Now I was avoiding the clock, itself perhaps a metaphor for those living in the last days. I thought I'd give the Bible roulette a shot. After all, between the two I knew of who tried it, maybe I had a 50-50 chance. (laughs) Interestingly, I landed on this passage from Matthew. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And this is Mary's Joseph we're talking about. I'll read it again. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. I pondered this for a while and would like you to keep it in the back of your minds over the next few minutes. During the season of Lent, our focus is Christ has died, the great act of love that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross in history. It is finished. During the seasons of Easter and Pentecost, our focus is Christ is risen, the great reality of resurrection life by his spirit dwelling in us in the present. Lo, I am with you always. Now, as the season of Advent begins, we shift our focus to the future. Christ will come again. Past, present, future. Who was and who is and who is to come. There are many today who don't believe that Christ will come again. The vast majority of people, when asked the question, what is the world coming to, would probably say they don't know, maybe because they haven't given it much serious thought. Some of those who have given it thought will mention the neighboring Andromeda galaxy that is rushing towards ours. In four billion years, give or take a few years, we will collide and that will be the end of all memory of Earth. When they look to the future, they see nothingness. Some others are more optimistic, believing that man will eventually be able to immortalize himself through the advancement of science, effectively doing away with all disease, perhaps able to colonize more stable regions of the universe. When he looks to the future, we are it. If you want a good treatise on that, just read Lewis's Space Trilogy. 
But this isn't the picture that Jesus gives us. He tells us that heaven and earth are passing away. The image here is of a dark and perilous night. As we heard in today's gospel lesson, Jesus likens his coming in glory to the days of Noah. People were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage, going about their lives. Then the flood came and swept them all away. The world was unaware of what would come. In the same way, the world will be unaware of the coming of the Son of Man. It will come like a thief in the night. And so he urges us to keep watch, to be attentive, to notice the signs of his coming, the way we might notice that summer is near because the fig tree on the street corner is putting out its leaves. Let's stay for a moment with the analogy of Noah and the flood. If we follow it a little further, we'll immediately notice some striking parallels with our present situation. If we, in the present time, are actively aware that Christ will come again, who becomes our counterpart in the analogy of the flood? You may answer. <laughs> Noah. Noah becomes our counterpart. Noah and his family. They were the ones who foresaw the coming events. And they were the ones who built the ark. In the same way as we look to the coming of Christ in glory, we also become participants in the building of an ark. There's a reason why in liturgical churches, the area where the congregation sits is called a nave. That comes from the Latin word novice, which means boat. We're all, spiritually speaking, sitting in a boat. You are right now. The ark of God's salvation to the world, his church, the body of Christ. By him and in him and through him we are saved. And we are participants in the building up of that body, that life boat. It's no wonder that we who sit in the boat are called to be fishers of men. Maybe that's why Jesus chose, among others, fishermen to be his disciples over theologians because they got it on an experiential level. They knew what it was like to cling to a boat in a storm. They knew what it was like to spend days at sea, sometimes battling to catch even just one fish. And they would quickly discover what it was like to see their nets filled to bursting at the command of their Lord. There's a wonderful scene in the movie Risen that came out, uh, I think about a year ago, uh, spoiler alert, Jesus does rise from the dead. <laughs> um, that is a portrayal of the events in John 21. The 11 disciples, having already seen the risen Jesus once, are anxiously awaiting his reappearing to them again. At the Sea of Tiberias, they decide to take the boat out on the water and go fishing. No doubt remembering how Jesus had once before come out to them in the middle of a lake, walking on the water. All throughout the night, they wait and watch doing all they can to fight sleep, catching nothing. Then dawn breaks, and the morning light, in the morning light, a seeming stranger strolls down the beach and calls out, any luck, try casting your nets on the right side of the boat. And as they do that, Peter already knows, although in the gospel it's actually John, Peter already knows, without even having to look at the nets, without even having to hear the cries of joy 
and the shouts from the other disciples as they're reeling in the catch. He knows that it's Jesus, and he cries out, It's him! It's him! We'll be revisiting the story at a later date, but it's a wonderful picture of waiting and watching for Jesus, waiting and watching for him to appear, and the joy of his disciples at seeing his coming. Advent is for us a penitential season. Why? Because like in the days of Noah, there will come a moment in time when God himself will seal up the ark. Much is at stake. Our own souls are at stake and the souls of the lost around us. We have a duty toward ourselves and toward our fellow man. Our duty toward ourselves is to wake up as Paul says in today's epistle reading, and to stop wasting time and to live as though the day were already here because it almost is. Our duty toward our fellow man is to love them as we love ourselves and to have concern for their destinies as we have concern for ours. A few verses before today's gospel lesson, Jesus, as he is describing the last days, says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Remember the verse we started out with. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Joseph stood on the brink of a great light that was about to dawn on the world. We too stand at the brink of a new day, the light of which first broke into the world when a child was born into the arms of his virgin mother. May we, being aroused from our sleep, join Joseph in doing, of, doing as the angel of the Lord has commanded us. I'll close with a passage from 2 Peter chapter 1. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, my Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.